Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm your host, Amy Kluber. As one of the operating divisions under the Department of Health and Human Services, the Indian Health Service provides services to federally recognized Native American tribes and Alaska Native people. It also advocates for its customers during a time when we hear so much about health disparities, especially now during this pandemic. Technology certainly has an incredible potential to bridge that divide. It's a stance that hits pretty close to home for CIO Mitchell Thornbrew. Even literally, he connected with me for this episode from his family home in Oklahoma, where he is a member of the Muscogee Creek Nation tribe. You'll learn about the agency's unique funding challenge and cooperation with tribes, plus how it's ramping up modernization efforts to increase things like digital engagement and also lay a technical foundation for serving multiple generations to come. Thank you to our sponsor, Dell Technologies. Hi, I'm Eric Barnes, Director of Citizen Services at Dell Technologies. Thanks for joining us for today's Government CIO GovCast on Indian Health Services IT modernization efforts. For IHS, technology and electronic health records are at the center of patient care. Sophisticated technology can deliver support to the communities IHS serves, especially for those in rural areas in ways previously not possible. At Dell Technologies, we know digital transformation is critical to the patient care of the future. I'd like to introduce to you Mitchell Thornbrew, CIO in Indian Health Services, as he discusses his personal connection to the agency, its technology advancements, and their unique challenges as it serves tribal communities, and his efforts to lay a technical foundation for multiple generations to come. He's joined by today's moderator and managing editor at Government CIO, Amy Kluber. Mitchell, welcome to the show, the Indian Health Service. It's an area I've been wanting to learn more about. I'm so glad to have you on the show today. Thank you, Amy. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, you have quite an interesting background considering your own family ties to the agency. So I'd, I'd really like to hear more about how you became interested in healthcare and public service. Excellent. Thank you for that question, Amy. And, uh, you know, I'd start off by saying that I'm a member uh, and citizen of the Muscogee Creek Nation. Um, and so my family members, my children are all part of the tribe and that we've relied on Indian Health Service for our entire lives. And it's been the way that we accessed care in our family for years. And so when I had the opportunity to move from manufacturing in the private sector to work at an Indian Health Service site, I found that opportunity really interesting. It was a connection through a previous coworker that reached out to me, and he was also a member of a tribe and knew that I might be interested in supporting, you know, healthcare and, and making that change. And so it was really appealing to do that, knowing that my family and I have interacted with that health system and much like you, was very interested to learn more about the system and how I could help that. But also in my personal life, my mother had recently been diagnosed with breast cancer and you know, saw firsthand how the inner workings of the healthcare system were hard to navigate. And luckily, you know, she was able to get uh, great treatment at those facilities. She was able to leverage specialty care outside of that system. And she's now been cancer-free for over a decade. But that experience just prior to the transition really compelled me to do everything I could to drive technology and improvements for my community, for you know, my fellow Native Americans and all of the people in, in our community that rely on these critical healthcare services. And 
you know, this is actually a common theme with many of the uh, employees at Indian Health Service. And it's a real pleasure to work with a group of dedicated individuals who either have family members or are just super dedicated healthcare professionals that come to work every day to make sure that our communities are growing and thriving. That personally driven mission is, you know, I can really hear that. You definitely feel like you have some sort of attachment to the systems that you're overseeing or operating in order to deliver the best care for even people like your own family. Yes, absolutely. And this is something we talk about when we talk about the agency mission and when we talk about our commitment to the mission. And it really drives, like I said, uh, many of the staff across the country at all levels of the agency who have these same sort of ties, maybe not the exact same experience, but are tribal members in their community or work closely with their communities and live and work in these rural areas and see the impact of healthcare and outcomes on every aspect of that community. Now, considering who your agency serves, it can be a challenging space overall, just in general, as far as geographically and then also technologically. What is something about the agency that maybe most people don't realize? The IHS healthcare model is not fully based on fee-for-service for Native Americans. So like most traditional healthcare systems where, you know, a patient comes in, that generates a visit, the visit gets billed. We're really a, a hybrid model where there is some funding that comes directly from the federal government through the appropriations process, but we see the majority of the operational funding and growth comes from billing Medicare, Medicaid, and private insurance. And I think this creates a unique ecosystem for an open healthcare system that's somewhat driven by healthcare market pressures when it comes to quality of care, access, and outcomes. But tribal citizens are able to leverage this to improve outcomes and also introduces uh, some unique coordination of care and funding challenges to the way that we manage these services and engage our tribal patients and, and communities. Now, when you think about innovation and technology and maybe some of the modernization strategies that you're looking at, what does that really look like to you? So IHS has been using the resource patient management system successfully for you know many decades. It's hard to nail down exactly when that system started, but it's the actual genesis of other systems used in the federal government. The VA VISTA system, for example, really has close ties with how the resource patient management system or RPMS electronic health record was developed. And when we talk about the advances in healthcare and the, the move towards coordination of care and, you know, a patient-centered design where information, you know, should be at the fingertips of the provider and the patient to improve outcomes and so that that information is in the right place at the right time for those conversations. You're really talking about a complex set of interactions between multiple systems that are, you know, sometimes loosely coupled, sometimes rely on faxing and phone calls. And you're really trying to supplant that with digital workflow. In addition, the EHR is really the operating system for a healthcare delivery. It controls every aspect of the workflows, orders, prescriptions, labs, radiology, the integration between the various disciplines within healthcare that we take for granted have to be on the same page and have, again, a patient at the center of the model so that everything flows around what that patient needs and we're executing the care plans effectively. And that can only happen in today's modern environment with modern tools. And what we're seeing is IHS is at a point where we really need to increase the sophistication of, of the tool. We need to reload and rethink about the way that code works and how we support it. 
and how we deliver that service equitably across the country. So the technology and sophistication is one aspect. Getting it to a modern code base, you know, out of this decades-old system is critical to make that ability to sustain and innovate with new technologies. But it's also about the design challenges and how do we leverage modern infrastructure to make sure that our sites that are in extremely rural areas have the level of support from technology staff or medical professionals that may not be in that community. And how can we deliver those services across the country in a way that's sustainable and that everyone can have success? And you don't have failure points because you can't recruit you know, somebody with 20 years of uh, system administration experience to effectively manage your one and only EHR running in your own data center, you know, because that skill set's hard to recruit. And it may be compounded because that's also a difficult location because it may be extremely rural where the, the salaries are hard to be competitive and the work environment's hard to, to recruit competitive talent. And so it's really this mix of, of technology design and putting the patient and our modern needs in a way that we can be agile and effective and efficient so that we have a sustainable path forward, both from a cost perspective and from a ability to support this in very rural areas. Speaking of the rural areas, you know, something we're hearing even now is how important things like telehealth has been during the pandemic. How are you approaching things like telehealth or similar tools in order to better connect some of the dispersed and disparate populations? Great question, Amy. And the pandemic really put this challenge front and center. And I think it highlighted the digital divide associated with our locations, mainly in rural parts of America. And so as the pandemic really pushed clinical in-person visits down, we saw an equal push to or an expectation and a want to increase virtual visits. And those virtual visits come through telehealth. And so while we were able to expand our telehealth platform, we have found that there's a serious issue on the last mile between the patient and our systems. And, you know, I'm really proud of our IHS teams, both for scaling up our infrastructure, but also for our care teams for being very flexible. And so, you know, in conjunction with authorities and flexibilities granted through CMS and others to allow for more televisits um, on telehealth, what we actually saw was about 80% of our growth in televisits or, or telehealth were actually phone calls. And uh, the by and large, this was because the patients could not get a stable connection that would support two-way synchronous video connections which would be the optimal zone. And so I think the challenge is, is laid out clearly before us to work on that digital divide and really identify that at this point, you know, the pandemic really exposed that access to healthcare and access to quality broadband are related. And that without solving this really critical broadband issue, not only for education and all of the other reasons that have become apparent as we've all coped with COVID-19 and and trying to protect our communities and our elders and our at-risk populations, that healthcare access is really a critical part of that conversation. And so, you know, we continue to support discussions with our tribal communities. We are actively engaged in making sure our facilities have the bandwidth they need. But again, even if we can get the hospital or the healthcare clinic connected, Sometimes our patients are are many hundreds of miles away, and sometimes they only have to be a few dozen miles away, 
and they have little to no broadband connection to get back into the facility. So, you know, we continue to work with the FCC, we continue to work with our tribes and look for opportunities for partnerships to influence those broadband initiatives. We work very hard to make sure that our rural broadband funding is reimbursed to the extent possible, allowed for healthcare facilities and education facilities, and that helps. But again, the real challenge is getting out into our communities and connecting the patients. And that's most easily highlighted by some innovation that we saw in uh, several of our facilities, but the Chinley service unit specifically had iPads donated. They were at a point where patients admitted to the hospital for any reason were in very isolated conditions. And, and that was, you know, that's not an ideal situation, especially given the strong family support that we rely on with our communities. And that support wasn't able to be in the room with that patient. And people didn't have access to cell phones or smartphones and broadband so that they could FaceTime their loved ones. And so in a very innovative way, they extended the wireless into the parking lot, provided iPads and set up visitor stations so that patients could drive in, use you know, a donated iPad to connect via the healthcare facilities network and get that face-to-face you know, digital engagement with the patients that were in these isolated rooms. And I, I think that just the level of effort and the focus on that engagement just highlights how critical the broadband issue is and the impacts of the digital divide on how we uh, provide healthcare. That's a great point. And, you know, you mentioned digital engagement. And I think that's something that all agencies should keep in mind is, yeah, you can bring in all these digital tools. And sometimes things can get lost in that whole modernization that there's still people involved and, you know, there's still the human element with everything. So that's interesting to hear about the iPads and the, the how that has helped really boost engagement. That's an interesting story. You know, when you think about these services or these tools, does culture ever play a role in some of your decision making or how you communicate those tools or how do you get buy-in on some of your services? Absolutely. Indian Health Service, uh, as well as the whole federal government's required to engage tribes and our tribal stakeholders in really effective and close communication, what we call tribal consultation and urban confer. And so, you know, everything that we do, we look to our tribal partners to make sure that we're having effective tribal consultation and urban confer so that their voice is heard as we are making decisions and making changes to support that. And, you know, whether that's technology, you know, implementations at a high level, like the uh, Indian Health Service modernization effort to replace our health IT infrastructure and, and that aging RPMS infrastructure that we talked about earlier, or how we look at distributing funding that's available in different areas, especially in response to some of the COVID-19 money that was able to be distributed to tribes through Indian Health Service and other agencies. And so, you know, I would say that's a critical component is that government-to-government relationship. Additionally, we know that we want to deliver culturally sensitive care and culturally appropriate care. And I think that's why we, we highlight the personal interaction that we know is important to our tribal stakeholders and We heard that loud and clear from our partners and look for ways to enhance that. And so ultimately, you know, it's really this engagement at the community level that's so important because we can't paint broad strokes across the country with our communities. Each community has its own unique needs. And so we really strive to tailor everything we do to the voice of that local community so that we're delivering services, again, that are culturally appropriate and 
prioritized correctly for the items in that community or the priorities and projects that that community deems are most important. Considering the, you know, modernization that is underway at the agency and also this pandemic that we're in, you know, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but has there been any light shed on any particular immediate needs or challenges? When we talk about the health IT modernization project and the need for advancement, and we talked about the interaction with the VA, um, I think it's important to note that the VA has, in the recent years, made strides to move away from their VISTA code base. And this has a direct implication to Indian Health Service because we've really had a great partnership and continue to have a great partnership with the VA on that shared code. And, you know, what has developed over the years is the VA really pushed forward in the development of the graphical user interface that sits on top of our RPMS EHR. And Indian Health Service actually leverages that development within the VA so that we're being really effective with government dollars and we're not reinventing the wheel unnecessarily. And we make slight modifications to tune that to our unique environment, but we really have this ability to leverage that code base. And so as the VA moves away from that, that has long-term implications on our ability to support the existing RPMS code base. So, you know, in particular, I I would just highlight that, you know, not only is the, the modernization effort driven by patient priorities and advances in technology that allow us to do our jobs better, but it's also driven by this need to shore up our long-term support and recognizing that as the VA moves away from that code, that we're going to, you know, at the end of that life cycle, when they're no longer using that system, you know, we'll be at a point where we either need to pick up that level of support or have been off that system. And that's why it's important to do this work now, because these kind of efforts can take decades. And so if we need, you know, seven years to implement a new system, we certainly don't want to wait and have these conversations when we're having to address you know, the significant change in the support model for our current investment. It sounds like there's a lot of sharing of lessons learned and kind of collaboration with other government agencies. Yeah, absolutely. We hear that loud and clear from both our tribal stakeholders, as well as our other government agencies. And it's, you know, really inspiring one to work in healthcare. I'm always impressed and amazed at the level of cooperation that we find working in healthcare. Everybody wants to help everybody because the the mission is so aligned, whether you're in the private sector or you're in Indian Health Service or uh, the VA uh, or to NIH, to CMS and FCC, everybody understands how important healthcare is. And it's, again, just, just always amazing that you see so much cooperation in that industry. And I would also say that in the government, we're working with really dedicated professionals in every area of the government. And when you need something from them or they can be of help, I'm, again, just amazed at the willingness to step forward and provide that support to make sure that we have an all-of-government approach uh, to support good quality healthcare outcomes. I think that especially reigns true now. You know, we're seeing how important all of the support around research and, you know, vaccine development and getting rural communities connected to telehealth, et cetera. I mean, that's kind of like a profound um, statement right there. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know that the words can do it justice. It's just an honor to be working in healthcare, in government, in technology at this time. And uh, just really amazed at what I see happening in the crossroads of these industries. 
With that said, is there anything in particular you are looking forward to next year in 2021? Great question. In 2021, we're really lighting the fire on our modernization project. And we'll be really engaging stakeholders and rolling up our sleeves and working really closely with our communities with a lot of support. And so in 2021, I'm really looking forward to making some agency level decisions in conjunction with tribes, you know, with strong tribal consultation and urban confer that really lay the foundation for what I think will be a multi-generational benefit where we change the way we operate our health IT infrastructure. We have received decades of benefits from our investment in our PMS. And I, I think our whole team understands the challenge and the opportunity that we have going forward, that we're not just trying to create that next system upgrade, but we're trying to lay the foundation and the infrastructure that will address data sovereignty, will address data security, data sharing, and this massive scaled up version of health IT infrastructure that will pay dividends for multiple generations. And portions of this design, I hope, will continue to pay dividends on the next round of upgrades because we will have addressed some significant sustainability code challenges and overall architectural challenges that will make it easier to do that next round of, of updates. And again, when you look at a decade-long project, you start to realize that the first sites that go live may go through three hardware upgrades, let alone the you know, subsequent patching and you know, significant upgrades that happen while they're running. And then before we end the project, we will probably start the next phase of what does the next upgrade look like. And I find that just extremely exciting that we've done a lot of prep work over the last couple of years. We're leveraging our tribal leaders across the country who have already upgraded their infrastructure and have led from the front with investments in modernizing their technology. And so we really have a strong foothold, I believe, on what we need to do in the future and what we expect those benefits to be. And it's an exciting time to have those conversations with our stakeholders to be talking about sustainability and getting the funding we need to be successful. So that's what I'm looking forward to in 2021. That's fantastic. And I'm sure it's a never ending journey to, you know, true modernization and IT infrastructure. So I'm glad to hear that. And I'll certainly be keeping an eye on what's going on at the agency. So thanks so much for joining Mitchell. I'm so glad to have talked to you and learn more about some of your uh, priorities and how much this really means to you. Thank you, Amy. It was my pleasure. It's certainly inspiring to hear about Mitchell's personally driven journey to the agency. The disparities and other challenges unique in the agency's customers provide ample opportunities for modern innovation to thrive. We heard how this is prevalent with telehealth advancements during the pandemic, as well as with devices like tablets and mobile. There is also opportunity in sharing lessons learned with other agencies experiencing similar challenges, like with electronic health records. Thanks again to our sponsor, Dell Technologies. Thank you, Mitchell and Amy. I know we're all excited to see how the Indian Health Services modernization efforts advance in 2021. IHS offers an inspiring example of how technology that centers around the patient is essential to effective care and Dell Technologies is proud to assist in the work that they're doing. From working to address broadband challenges and digital divide while continuing to highlight 
personal interaction, IHS's focused approach on the human element is critical to serving its community during an unprecedented challenge. Thanks again to Mitchell and Amy, and thank you for joining us for today's Government CIO GovCast. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to our website. And please, if you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving us a review in iTunes. We continue to strive to help you connect with federal IT's top decision makers. Thanks for listening.